It's This Week in Bourbon, where it's always a party in the USA. And here's your headlines for April 22nd, 2022. The Virginia ABC moves to a new randomized and might be confusing system for allocated bourbon. Independent Stave Company is to open a $30 million mill in Arkansas. And Orphan Barrel announces the release of Fable and Folly. But before we get started, here's a quick word from our partners. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com. And you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. And they're off for another Get 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. Welcome back, everybody. This week in bourbon coming at you, and I'm really glad I was listening to my kid's radio a little bit earlier today because she was listening to Miley Cyrus and said Party in the USA, and I said, <laughs> perfect, I got my opening for this week. I thought maybe Miley was coming out with her own bourbon or something. That's why <laughs> you're, you opened with that. I do like that song. You know, I, well, don't know, I don't know why. It's one of those like guilty pleasure songs. Everybody loves it. You, you put it on at a wedding. You put it on at oh, who knows, a derby party coming crazy. up. Oh, everybody everybody loves it. Maybe it's just our generation, but everybody just goes crazy for it. I mean, it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's catchy. There's something about that pop song that just kind of keeps it going. I don't know what it is, but there is something about that song. I don't know. I like it. It keeps you going. But, the, you know, we don't have a, a ton of news. You know, we took a week off for spring break and we came back and there was almost too much news. Then I come back. And I start digging through articles, and it's like, well, we only got a few things to go through, but that's okay. We don't need to go a full hour like we did last time, but we at least got a a few good ones to kind of chuck through here. You ready to get going? I'm excited for these few good ones. These few good ones. Well, even the few, you know, I didn't even put this on a headline because it's technically not a headline, but I've been seeing the rumor mill. It's starting to start bubble up around now that Evan Williams single barrel. You know, the the kind of short, stout one with the black wax 
that I just uh-huh. showed up on camera that nobody else knows about is actually going out of distribution. And the rumor is that it's going to be a Kentucky only release. I don't know. There's, there's no, this is again, really? this is the rumor mill. This is nothing that is by far. It's this week in bourbon. It's supposed to be news. This isn't news. This is the rumor mill news. So don't, don't take it, take it with a grain of salt. This week in speculations. <laughs> exactly. I would find that surprising. I mean, I mean, I don't know why you would constrain that that line. It's a very popular and big line of theirs. I mean, obviously, Evan Williams Black and White are the, you know, the two major of that line, but the single barrel is huge, too. I don't know. I would be surprised if it was Kentucky only, but what do I know? I would be surprised, too, but I also wouldn't be surprised. It's one of those things that who knows what barrels are going, because usually this is I like mean, an eight-year-old eight product going into well yeah i could see maybe if they got, went back to like the 10 year and made that a state only like the age stated 10 year evan williams kentucky only but i don't know yeah I, i'm not too sure either but who knows what's going to come of it. it heaven hill when they when you look back at what they had done with the white label the six-year bottled and bond yeah it wasn't it was selling below its market value and so they had to go ahead and reinvent it. Made sense. And this is a particular product, and I, I think it I think it fits well for for what it is. Now, for the most part, most people don't talk about it. We take this maybe as one of those bottles that are on the shelf that are for granted. Because when was the last time we ever talked about Evan Williams single barrel 86.8, sorry, 86.6, thinking like, oh yeah, this is a great everyday value. You gotta go get it, blah, 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 blah. Maybe it's a time that they reinvent and throw a new label on, different proof, something like that. Yeah, I mean, before I became like a whiskey nerd or geek, this was my go-to, like one of my favorite, just all everyday pours. It's such a great flavors for that low proof. You know, it used to have a 10-year age statement. Some of the ones in the 90s and early 2000s, holy cow, they were like really, really good. But uh, yeah, I, I could see them revamping, repackaging, and maybe... Going back to an H statement or something, that would be cool if they did that. Yeah, it'd be interesting to kind of see what happens with it. I would also like to see, this is just, this is a wish list sort of thing, because they used to do single barrel selections of this particular line product. And if they are going to make it a Kentucky-only release, or they're going to do something that maybe it's a little bit more of a, a bourbon-only kind of connoisseur type of product, maybe they bring it back into it, that that fold. But where, what's your source on this? <laughs> Where, well, this is all, I, I, that was my wish list. It, bringing, bringing you back to the single barrel program is probably not going to happen only because you have Elijah Craig and you've got Elijah Craig barrel proof. So why would you need another one in there other than just another label that gets people like us all giddy and happy inside because we want something else more on our shelves? No, but what's your source for them making it Kentucky only? Uh, the sources that I got were just as I said, rumor mills that are happening on Facebook, it's coming in the forums and people are saying, should I go buy it now? My distributor's telling me I'm not going to be able to get this again. And it's like $35 on the shelf. So that's why people are going around in other states and starting to hoard and buy it up now. It's like, oh, granddad, 114 playing over again. <laughs> Who, <laughs> knows? Got discontinued. Who knows? <laughs> we'll see if we'll see if there's anything, any truth to it, but we'll find out. But let's yep. keep going. So there was an email that came out from our friends over Breaking Bourbon today, and we know that 
there's a lot of friends that are in our little circle of Bourbon Community Roundtable that love their taxes, and they gave a little bit of history on taxes. So here's what it is, word for word. And if you want to hear more good things about Breaking Bourbon and what they're putting out, make sure you go and sign up for their newsletter. So this past Monday was considered tax day in the United States, which is the deadline that most taxpayers across the country have to file their income tax returns. But long before the income tax, there was another tax called the whiskey tax. And that first tax was actually imposed on a domestic product by the newly formed United States government. And that whiskey tax became law in 1791, just two years after the formation of the federal government. The tax was intended to generate revenue for the debt incurred during the Revolutionary War. And while it was technically an excise tax assessed on all distilled spirits, the United States' growing appetite for American whiskey made it the focal point of tax collectors. Not surprisingly, a nation was born out of the idea of freedom and resisting taxation without representation did not simply comply. This resistance led to the Whiskey Rebellion that lasted from 1791 to 1794, and that largely focused on western Pennsylvania. And it was ultimately a government victory, and the whiskey tax lived on until its repeal in the early 1800s during the Jefferson administration. Today, it's estimated that approximately half the price of the bottle of whiskey goes towards taxes, and this can vary widely based, sorry, very wildly based on a number of factors. Regardless, taxes and American whiskey seem to be destined to be together forever. Oh, it's yeah. A true love story. We know this, we know this firsthand. It's like, <laughs> it's like, how many times can you put your hands in our pocket, Mr. Federal Government, State Government, Local Government? <laughs> tax on the front, tax on the back, tax somewhere in between. You're, you're going you're gonna to get it no matter what. Yeah, it's... I guess it is what it is. Uh, we'll get some nice roads out of it or something. Get some nice roads, and we will still be the advocate for change if we can, because Kentucky, damn Kentucky being the only state that still taxes on barrels aging. It's amazing that people still have to pay taxes on whiskey that's still... I mean, if we owned a t-shirt company, and you bought a bunch of blank white t-shirts, and you're they're just sitting in a warehouse somewhere, the government's saying, I... You got to pay taxes on those T-shirts sitting in there. That doesn't make sense. It it just doesn't make sense. So it's I, well, I you do have to pay an inventory tax if you carry over from year to year. If you have a lot of extra inventory sitting over. Oh, you do know. you? Okay, so yeah. this is where you come in as the business <laughs> owner that has been through this plenty of times. So school us. Well, yeah. If you have any extra inventory, you're supposed to pay uh, inventory tax on it for that year. So. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> yeah. Why it's <laughs> the the problem is is with bourbon, you know, your most inventory you're just hanging on for a year. With bourbon, you're hanging on to it four to twenty years. So you know it's getting dinged every year, and so uh, it seems like they could uh, like put a lid on it or something. You know, you know. Whereas other companies typically take inventory and sell it within a you know. A three or four to six month time frame. Well, I'll ask a question that you probably don't know the answer to then. So if we had our barrels oh located in Tennessee or Idaho or Utah or California or literally any other of the 49, 48, 47 contiguous United States, because I'm not shipping my barrels to Alaska, Hawaii, would I still have to pay an inventory tax on them? Don't know. That's, I'm not a, I know Kentucky's laws. I don't know everywhere else's. Uh, I'm not sure. That's okay. Call call Blake. He should <laughs> we need a tax person on here to <laughs> fix us up. I call guarantee Bl- we'll, Blake or uh, Nick. Yeah, we're, we're going to get a, bourbon. 
Yeah, we're gonna get an email. Somebody's gonna school we're, us, and we're gonna have to come I'm, back. I'm probably totally here. botching this, and <laughs> and now we're committing tax fraud. We don't even know <laughs> yeah. about it. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. So this is a long one. So Ryan, just take a breath and and just sit here for a second as I start talking through the news that happened at in Virginia this week. And now people are like, oh, why? who cares about Virginia? It's one state. Well, who knows? Like, this is a control state. Would this potentially spill over into other control states? Pennsylvania, Ohio, you name it. We'll find out. But Jim Varel, or Jim Vorrell, he's over at Pace Magazine. He dug us some interesting news on the Virginia ABC. And as far as he can tell, no consumer in the state of Virginia has been able to legally purchase a bottle of Buffalo Trace bourbon for the last three weeks, or maybe even longer. The same goes for Blanton's, Henry McKenna, W.L. Weller, and dozens of others that are on the Virginia ABC sprawling list of what they call limited available products. Now, they are presumably still being delivered to ABC warehouses by distributors and by distilleries. However, they're simply just not being included in the resupply shipments to stock store shelves. Or in other words, the Virginia ABC seems to have entirely stopped selling allocated products for the last month or so, and they've declined on all requests to explain why. And that has led to rampant speculation and angst and rumors among the state's whiskey enthusiast community. But now, the Virginia ABC has announced a confusing and randomized new system for the sale of allocated bottles and bourbon brands. So this is direct from the Virginia ABC. This is what they said. To provide all customers with the greatest opportunity to purchase high-demand, limited-supply products, the ABC will announce the store locations where limited availability products are available to purchase during store hours on any given day of the week by randomly deciding where and when to offer these products for purchase. They are going to limit opportunities for individuals or groups to line up outside stores for extended periods or seek information that gives them an unfair advantage, enabling them to purchase these items ahead of other customers. To make these highly sought-after spirits available to as many customers as possible, in-store purchases will be restricted to one bottle per customer per day from all the limited available products offered at any location. We know that customers in all regions of the Commonwealth want an equal opportunity to get these highly sought-after spirits. We also know that individuals who stood to benefit from obtaining the locations of these products ahead of time were using that information unfairly to mobilize and purchase items before other customers. By randomly deciding where and when to offer these products for purchase, we limit possibilities for individuals or groups to abuse the system. So as Jim kind of goes on here, he says, what we have here is that essentially it's a system where, cons- where customers will basically never know when any of these products or bottles such as Buffalo Trace, Blanton's, or Henry Kenna Single Barrel will ever be available. The new system will be entirely dependent upon social media announcements from the Virginia ABC's Spirited Virginia pages, but it's even more cloudy. Their Spirited Virginia social media pages will instead apparently announce the allocated spirits are being sold in general various locations without actually confirming what any of those products are. So consumers will then essentially have to race to that location in order to find out what product or products are being sold there, or they could even try to call the store staff, but we all know how that goes. So that is the new distribution for the entire state of Virginia that has over 400 stores about how they can get Buffalo Trace, Henry McKenna, Weller, and all the crap that people usually have to wait outside for hours on end for. It sounds chaotic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And uh, a lot of people are going to be disappointed on those days that they say something limited. You know, it's happened here where people get rumors and, you know, they wait outside Kroger and then they open the doors and they're like, 
yeah, we got our new uh, batch of 1792 in. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, I mean, like that's, something like totally regular off the shelf, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's you're right. There's been times when it's been here in Louisville, people lining outside of liquor barns, outside of Kroger, outside of Total Wine for the mere glimpse or hope just the the light at the end of the tunnel there might be something that they can get and they'll wait out there they'll start because a lot of these stores don't open until 9 a.m they'll get there at 5 6 a.m and wait and i think that's also from what i was doing my reading that's what people in virginia were doing a lot of them got tipped off they knew exactly when deliveries were happening which isn't uncommon a lot of us know if you were a longtime hunter you would probably figure out exactly what the delivery days were you would go and you would know exactly when to go wait in line but a lot of the times what they would do is that since this was all based on essentially a, a, a system where you could research online, you knew what was dropping. So from what I was reading is that if you were in one part of the state and William or sorry, W.L. Weller was dropping in a particular city, you know the next route or the next city that they're going to hit the next day. And so you had a pretty good assumption that there was going to be Weller at that location. And so people would go ahead and they'd line up. And this is all through Hurt of the Grapevine. They had an online system where you could go and check inventory. But now it's completely changing and it's going to be all up to chance, which I don't know. Maybe this is a good thing. Maybe it's something that gets people from lining up outside of stores and having to just go at the drop of a hat to go and figure out, are you going to get an number T Lee? Or are you going to get... I don't know, an Evan Williams single barrel. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know what the, the right answer is. Yeah, this whole... I've never been a fan of just announcing anything in general. It just seems like it pulls the the riffraff out that doesn't need to be buying it. It's like, you know, just drop it when you want to drop it and let people figure it out from there. Instead of making announcements, you know, it's that's when people who aren't really wanting the product just go to try to get a flipping opportunity, I see. Uh, or that's the way I see it. I feel that you're you're right in that that aspect that if you have it and you don't need to announce it, then don't need to announce it. If you're one of those sort of customers, let's say us, and we're coming out with a new thing of Pursuit United, we have to announce it. We have to get no, sure, like we have to do it. But it, you you look at, I mean, maybe a good example is you look at what Heaven Hill does right now. What they're doing every single week, you go to their Facebook page and they're announcing the day prior of what they're going to be releasing that morning. So this week it was the 17 year old uh, heritage collection that they came out with. And people said, when's it going on sale? And they're like, tomorrow morning, 9am. When do I need to get there? And so people are commenting, if you're not there now, you're already too late. So yeah. like that it gives you an idea of, yeah, like you want to kind of give expectations because I, I don't know, do you want to give expectations and tell people what it's going to be? Or do you want people to line up and just get pissed because they don't know what they're going to be waiting for and they're waiting, wasting a lot of time. Or is that going to start pushing people away? Is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I don't know. I think the one good thing that came out of here that I forgot to mention is that it, they used to have a particular rule where you could pick one of everything that was allocated, but now it's only one bottle of everything. So essentially they said that so somebody could just show up and get like 10 things. Oh, yeah. They said they said six people could clear an entire allocation in a day at some of these stores sometimes. Yeah. But now that they're doing this, they're extending that out and getting more people a chance, which is smart. But hey, you put the government in charge of running a spirits program. This is what you get. Yeah. I mean, it's not the worst idea, but it's, uh, I don't know. I, I just feel like with these rare allocated items, it's just try to bring the least amount of attention to them and and then 
that I feel that way people who are really want the the products will find them instead of uh you know announcing it in every every Jim Jack Jenny whoever showing up and and Jim's sister and Jim and Jack's brother-in-law right. and their dog sister's cousin yeah i i also like the the random aspect of it being privy to a lot of information and knowing when to go and where to go and and having that sort of inside connection you know there is a, a an advantage there for a lot of people and that's why we have people like i don't know like me and other people that have too much bourbon to drink you know the bigger problem that also steers out of it is that people that do have those advantages they they do take advantage of it and that's what leads to flipping that's what leads to people just going and just getting it to try to turning into a you know a second side hustle which isn't necessarily what they're trying to go for they're selling it at market price they're or msrp they're trying to get it into the hands of most people as possible so i feel that they are doing their customers a little bit of a, a good service there by trying to have that that random aspect to it yep totally agree i like so the random yeah, let's, the randomizers. Kind of, let's, let's move on let's move on if not we'll keep talking about this and it'll be an hour before we know it but independent save company they are going to open a 30 million dollar mill in arkansas so this new facility will be located near Batesville and will create approximately 60 new jobs. Independent Stave operates six Stave mills and three cooperages, with a fourth cooperage projected to open at the end of 2022 throughout the United States, as well as the mill and cooperages overseas. So it was established back in 1912, ISC was, and they manufacture Stave's barrels and oak alternatives for customers in over 40 countries around the world. In Arkansas, if you didn't know, they have a wealth of natural resources and raw materials necessary to manufacture cooperage products. And white oak is actually plentiful in Arkansas. So if you... Uh, Looking for a job in Arkansas, saws and wood. I guess there's a, there's an opportunity coming for you from ISC here soon. You're a lumberjack. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been anticipating something like this from ISC because you got to think if everyone's growing, you know, double digits year over year over year, you know, and it's like where are the barrels going to come from? And so, uh, you know, that's – I'm glad to, there's a little bit of a squeeze right now with barrels. So uh, hopefully, you know, with ISC – ramping up production uh, there'll be more and it won't be as a big of a problem because you know you got all these new distilleries being announced that are gonna be built um you know here just in kentucky not even just across the country you know they're all going to require more and more barrels so yeah and I, and I think there's plenty of white oak in the u.s if not more than there's ever been it's just you need the you know the equipment the the, the whole setup you know just to make it happen and so I'm glad to see, uh, yeah, this is going down. For sure. So the Pandy, that's what we like to call it. Well, this week was a, a big week when the court struck down, be able to say you had to wear masks on planes. That's no longer a thing. But even new things are coming around with the sale of alcoholic drinks on American Airlines. So they had stated its reluctance to reinstate the service until all concerns were well considered before doing so. And now... The carrier said in a statement that beginning April 18th, which happened earlier this week, American Airlines will slowly start reintroducing its buy on board program, including alcohol and light snacks to domestic main cabin flights. Both American and Southwest Airlines considered bringing alcohol back in 2021, but reconsidered after a surge in unruly passenger behavior prompted air, character, air carriers to stall the reintroduction. So customers traveling on flights over 250 miles will be offered beer, wine and spirits. And spirits such as Aviation Gym, run, 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 Rum, Vodka, and Whiskey. And they're all reportedly retail for $9. Wine will also be available for $9 and beer at $8. 
one step closer. Yeah, I flew Southwest mm, two weeks ago, I think, and they were offering spirits again, which was nice. Did you partake? I did not. <laughs> I, had, I had to drive. I had to get a rental car when I picked up, so uh, I did not partake. But typically, I do get my Wild Turkey 101 on Southwest, so I'm glad to see that coming back. Good for you. Good for you. You know, it, before this all started happening, people used to bring their own whiskey on flights and right. little two ounce things and two ounce little uh, Boston as as it's under hundred right? Yeah. People used to do that all the time, but now they are very vocal about it saying that if you bring whiskey or you bring whiskey, if you bring any spirits or any alcohol on a flight and consume it, it's considered a, a misdemeanor offense or I don't, maybe they it's throw you out of the plane. Yeah. They want to flow. You. <laughs> I, I doubt they're going to, throw you out of the plane, but you'll definitely get a slap on the wrist. So I kind of miss the days when you could bring your own, you know, Van Winkle on the flight or Pursuit United a, or anything like that. Have a Van Winkle flight on your flight. <laughs> See? Uh-huh. That's terrible. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I know those Agent Orr things are perfect for that. Those, I don't know, they come with like three or four little vowels or whatever. Yeah. Shout out to that. Awesome products to go and check it out. They've, it's, they've got four different sort of two ounce samples. You can see on the side how full it is and you can, figure out what it is. It's, it's literally a traveling case for that exact reason. But don't drink it on the plane, apparently. We do not endorse that. No. Unless you want to get thrown out. <laughs> we don't want you getting thrown out. <laughs> don't go, don't be getting taken out by air marshals going, I heard it on Burden Pursuit. They said we could do it. <laughs> be like the girl Actually, on Bridesmaids. <laughs> go no. and do that. That's probably the best advertising we could probably ask for. No, don't do that. To us. <laughs> I don't right, want to be guilty. It. We're already tax fraud. I don't want. <laughs> I don't want to be in air marshal trouble now. Too. All right. So our last news story, and this is kind of like a feel good. It makes you makes you feel real homey and makes you feel good inside when you see commerce and people doing good things. But here, what started as simply as an idea for a class project eventually turned into a startup business with a new concept in distilling local craft whiskey. So San Diego State University student David Elizondo came up with an idea to form a craft whiskey distilling business as a project for his fall 2018 managerial marketing class in the Fowler College of Business MBA program. Beginning in 2019, Eli, oh, sorry, it's Eli Zondo. Eli Zondo and his cousin, which is another San Diego State University alumni, Ryan Espinoza, they began exploring how they could turn their concept into a business. For starters, he secured an internship at a local distillery to get an understanding of how to introduce their product to the marketplace. They also began experimenting with a wide range of product concepts before landing on something called, or what they deemed as, coffee-flavored whiskey. So the cousins came up with the name First Light, and they got that during an early morning surf lesson at San Diego's Ocean Beach. So First Light came to represent new days, new adventures, and new moments to celebrate life and people with love. And in mid-2020, as the COVID-19 pandemic slowed or stymied many other startup businesses, the pair started with local distilleries and using their equipment for the manufacturing process as they turned their first full production run. And currently, First Light Coffee Whiskey is available for purchase online in a few local liquor retail establishments, but that will eventually change soon. So, Man, I've been seeing a ton of coffee whiskeys lately have you someone they i feel like i saw one the other day with the guy um from uh it's it's like i think it was like okaneedon or something it was the guy from yellowstone um not yellowstone from uh 1883 and tombstone um and then there was that AMPM, you know that had the coffee whiskey i do know the AMPM um, one 
Yeah, I, I, it's funny. I, I think I've just seen those three in the past couple of days. So that's, yeah, interesting. I mean, people were already... I like already, coffee, I like whiskey, so... People were already putting bourbon in their coffee already. Now it's just... Now you can just, like, substitute not having coffee and just drink it straight. I guess you could do that. Yeah, no more... What do you call it? Not an Irish coffee, but a... <laughs> I don't know. Redneck coffee. American coffee. Yeah, and technically a TTB specialty whiskey, or whiskey specialty. Oh, okay. There that's you go. what it has to be. I get you. That's also for, That's a good... Uh, I need. We should have went to San Diego State, where you could can surf every morning and create whiskey for your thesis. That's what I read that, and I was like, "Man, that is so San Diego." They just get yeah. up and surf and go. Let's go make some whiskey. Yep. See that light there? First light. We should I make wish, a whiskey. I wish I would have been smart back in college to even think about doing this part. I I was just so focused on being another cog in the wheel. I didn't even think about oh, what can I do and. In the bourbon and whiskey world, it was it's all tech for me. So it was a completely different kind of mindset. But it's really cool to see, you know, a lot of people expand their mind. You know, if, if you get into spirits at a young age, young drinking age, <laughs> and you can, you can see how I catch myself there. If you're so, a kid, if you're a kid in the spirits game, <laughs> at a young drinking age, and you find you find a knack for it, you know, I think there's there's. Do you like drinking at seven? We got the program for you. <laughs> Apple juice and whiskey. Let's go. Yeah. No, don't don't do that. I we don't encourage underage drinking. But definitely I think it's it's like I said, back to the original thought was that it's really kind of cool to see people that have have kind of got a passion for it, even in a, a post-grad MBA sort of stage and said, Hey, we can we can take this to a, a new level. So congratulations yeah. to them and we'll see where it goes. You can do that locally now too. At um with UK and the new Jim Beam uh you know that would Oh, gosh, I wish maybe I wouldn't have gone to Rutgers if I knew I could do distilling here in Kentucky at you know for college instead of grass. Good God, it's okay. You got to know. You got to spread your <laughs> you know spread it a little little wide there. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. That's now you, right. Now you've got a, something to fall back on. This whole whiskey game goes flat. You can go back to spraying lawns. Yeah, diversified. There it is. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with some bourbon release news. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon. The farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it uh, a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And you can get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. 
Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. All right, everybody. Bourbon release news coming at you. What do you need to start waiting in line for? Well, a few things here. Not too much, but we've got a few things, and let's go ahead and let's, uh, let's talk about them. So there is a new whiskey brand that's honoring, actually, I think the next two are just maybe only Kentucky-ish kind of releases. So sorry if you're outside. Is single barrel? Unfortunately, yes, you're right. It's I just got the press release in. Evan Williams, now only in Kentucky. Now, it just happened to be these next two releases, or next two stories we're going to read are kind of just believe Kentucky-ish only. So if you're coming from out of the state, I don't know, maybe look for them. If you're from outside of the state, go ahead and skip a few minutes and then you can kind of catch the, the next part of this. But yep. there is a new whiskey brand that will be honoring Kentucky's distilling heritage since 1795 called 15 Stars. And it's made its debut on the whiskey market this month. So the brand's first release is its Timeless Reserve, which is a blend of Kentucky bourbons aged 14 years and older. The founders of 15 Stars, which is a father and son duo of Rick Johnson and Ricky Johnson, they plan to use special strains of corn, a black corn, a patriotic mix of red, white, and blue corn for future releases that are being distilled and warehoused right now in Bardstown, Kentucky. Their first release is distributed by Heritage Wine and Spirits and will be Kentucky exclusive as a tribute to the 15th state. The addition to the whiskeys that Johnson's have collected, also Kentucky historical items, also known as the 15 Stars Collection. And this collection includes a variety of rare Kentucky-related artifacts, and it's currently housed online, but will be displayed at physical locations and tasting events in the future. The first release will contain Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey from two different mash bills, and they're aged to capture a more rounded and complex drinking experience. The 15 Stars Thomas Reserve has an SRP of $280, but it's a 103-proof Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, and that contains a blend of 14-year-old and older whiskeys. And I saw the two different mash bills. Two different mash bills. I saw they also got like a double. So it's a Barton and um, Turkey, maybe or Bean, maybe. (laughs) You just maybe just Barton and Barton. Who knows? Barton and Barton. It could be. They have the same mash bill, right? (laughs) You don't think Barton made one mash bill, more than one mash bill in their entire distilling history? No, probably not. <laughs> we know we do one thing good, and we're gonna stick with it. We're not gonna we're not gonna veer off this road here. Yeah, I guess it could be Heaven Hill stuff too, because it's that with that old. There was some in the market back then. So, well, it. I, I do like the name Twelve Star. It's. I was wondering what they're where they're going with that, but I like mystery the, stars there. It's fifteen stars or fifteen stars. <laughs> good God. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I like that. Whatever, reference back to Kentucky being the 15th state, not the 12th state. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's, I also look at this as an SRP of $280. People might be going, oh my gosh, that's so expensive. But let's be real. The idea, the days of finding 14-year-old and older whiskey are going to be very, very hard to find for the next few years. And this might be one of the last offerings you might be able to find from something like that. So I don't know. It's a, it's a, that's a toss-up, but... You would think at $280, uh, you know, we've been in this business for a little bit. They're making okay margin on it, but, you know, that's that's the nature of the source game. Yeah, like you said, there's probably, gosh, for the next 
four years, five, maybe even longer, it's going to be double digit age statements are going to be very rare. I agree. I definitely agree. And that kind of flows into our, our next news story because our next news story, they also used to have 14 year age statements, but not anymore. So let's talk about it. So Kentucky Senator, if you remember that brand, it was Fred yeah. wrote about them. We, we've talked about it a few times on here. But they are now coming out with their third bourbon offering, and it's called the John G. Carlisle Release, and it's hitting shelves this summer. So this release is labeled after the esteemed U.S. Senator John G. Carlisle because he was a stabilizing force in the liquor industry and a leader of the Bourbon Democrats in Washington, D.C., he was also a major advocate for the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897, which is celebrating its 125th anniversary this year. It has been distilled and aged in Kentucky for seven years. It's bottled at Bluegrass Distillers in Lexington. It'll be bottled at 107 proof. The mash bill is 75% corn, 21% rye, and 4% malted barley. And it will have a suggested retail price of $120. This limited edition release is available at liquor stores, bars, and restaurants throughout Kentucky, with single-barrel private selections at Liquor Barn, Party Mart, and Depp retail outlets. And this release will also be available online at bourbonoutfitter.com and will be featured at Jack Rose Dining Saloon in Washington, D.C. Dang, when you made Jack Rose already, that's that's good, that's good stuff. Well, um, I was trying to think of that mash bill, and I, I know that one. I'm trying to look at an email. What, but, the uh, 752114? <laughs> yeah. No, it, see, this is... This is what we call reverse engineering in my world, where you, you kind of start you kind of start with the the final product and you figure out how it was built. You said it was seventy five twenty one what seventy five twenty one four is what it is. Gotcha. So while you, while you look at that, I, I kind of want to talk about this for a second because this is one of those brands that started off with the the fourteen year maybe thirteen year whatever it was the Barton, Barton stuff and they had I think a hundred and fifty dollar price tag on it. And so now you move forward another year, year and a half, and you're looking at a reduction in the age by about half, but about a $30 reduction in the price. So seven years, $120. I don't know. I mean, it depends on depends on if you're you know that kind of consumer, whether you're willing to take a risk on something like that. It does have a kind of cool story to it. This is was started by an actual Kentucky senator. Yeah, I can't find that precise match bill. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I gave you I give you a minute or two. I tried stalling, but that's all we got. Oh, hold on. 75 what? 75 21 4. Oh, well, I found it. <laughs> was it sitting right there next to you? You think yeah. you think it was Barson Bourbon? It could be Barson Bourbon. Yeah, Barson Bourbon Company. But do they have they don't have 7 year stuff? Oh yeah, duh. Never mind. Well, Barstown makes a 75 21 for so uh, well who knows if we if it is if it is seven year it had to be like the first stuff that Barstown ever laid down because yeah I don't even know if they were that would have been 27 years have been 2014 is that right or no 2015 yeah seven years yeah so it could be yeah there we go. So through our deductive reasoning skills here within the past six, past uh, minute Sorry. and a half. Everybody is probably like, what the hell is going on on this show? Yeah. So actually, we don't know. We don't we know. Don't know we don't know about this game. This is, again, this is uh, this week in speculation. That's right. Come here for not true stories. <laughs> fake news. Uh, speaking of fake news, Fred 
Minnick actually had a pretty funny tweet the other day that said there was a new study that came out from the University of Not So True that said, do not start your bourbon brand with the word blue because there's now market confusion between blue note and blue run and nobody knows the difference between the two. <laughs> That's true. I've, I've, I've heard several people do that, say that, including myself. <laughs> <laughs> Again, more this week in speculation. That's right. So let's finish it off. Our last piece of news for the evening, and that is the Orphan Barrel Whiskey Company, who we haven't heard from in a very, very long time. Yeah, it's been a minute. I've been know. waiting for a really nice name. <laughs> you ready? Here we go. So Orphan Barrel is a is a product of Diageo, but they call themselves the Orphan Barrel Whiskey Distilling Company. They're introducing their latest release, and it's called Fable and Folly, the finest quality whiskey aged 14 years. So Fable and Folly is a harmonious creation that uniquely balances age and flavor. Orphan Barrel searches for rare whiskeys hidden away and nearly forgotten, forgotten, forgotten in the dark corners of distilleries and rickhouses. And they bottle and release limited amounts of these treasured liquids with care and craft that they deserve. So when master blender Andrew McKay discovered the last remaining stores of rare orphaned whiskeys from the years past, he thought it was only fitting to share these whiskeys with the world within one bespoke blend called Fable and Folly. So he married the last remaining stocks of Barter House, Forged Oak, and various rhetoric releases with a proprietary blend to create the expression, which pays homage to the original releases yet possesses its own distinctive profile. The label actually has a spirit animal displayed on the bottle, and it pays homage to the three signature animals animals of the whiskeys from whence the fable and folly came, which is a stag, a hummingbird, and a fox. Like this bespoken creature, the liquid combines the best of these socks into one delicious and distinctive breed of whiskey. It's bottled at 90 proof, has an SRP of $150, and will be available at select retailers nationwide in extremely limited quantities coming soon. I feel like they watched Bambi or Fox and the whatever Fox, Fox and the and Hound, the Hound. <laughs> and we're like, "Ooh, Fable and Fawn." They always do come up with good names. I'll give them that. The artwork is great. The names are yeah. great. For the most part, I've tried a lot of these. I've tried Rhetoric. I've tried uh, well, yeah. Forged Oak. I've tried Barter House. They're all good. Yeah, it's the just, only one that was the Gifted Horse was. Yeah, kinda, it was a little meh. But, I mean, they're all good. It's just one of those things that they always want you wanting more. And I think that you might – I don't want to say I might. It's It comes at 90 proof. A lot of them are about that same proof point. But sometimes it just wants you wanting a little bit more, especially for the, the dollar amount you're putting into it. But for the most part, these are, gosh, 14 to 20-year barrels that are going into it. So, And they're orphaned. They are orphaned. I will say, I will say the person that wins in this situation is probably Master Blender Andrew McKay because he gets to try all these at barrel proof and gets to blend and try all these little different things. How long so. can you keep finding orphan barrels? <laughs> well, this, that's the thing is that this is the first time it's came out in what three years? Nah, it can't be three years. At least two years because they've yeah. just been doing rhetoric. What? a few different releases and then they did like whoop and holler or something or it was like a 26 year or something you had the copper and something tongue that was all like an just an old pickle stock i think i don't know but where do they find orphan barrels (laughs) this will keep going this many years it's a good question you know that's that's the that's the that's the mystery that's the beauty part rich is that you don't know about it we'll just you just gotta just gotta go ahead and believe in the story 
Yeah, it's all about believing. I like it. I'm in. <laughs> See, well, I think that we might get a sample of this sent our way, so we'll be able to review this on a whiskey quickie in the future. And you'll know our real thoughts when that time comes. Well, it would be thumbs up, thumbs down, or sideways, thumbs all the way. Who knows? But like I said, it's it's cool to see another Orphan Barrel release coming because these are one of the things that had people talking. I remember my first purchase of the Orphan Barrel was a barter house from a long, long time ago. It had that dancing fox on it. I saw it and I was yeah. like, ooh, 20 years? I think it was $90 or $70 at the time. Heck yeah, that's a steal. I liked it. Yeah, that barter house was good. And the that old blowhard for a 26 year was really good. And then there was one that was 22 that was, was that part Lost Profit or Rhetoric? It might have been Lost Profit, but there was also a Rhetoric 22. Lost Profit, I think, was 15. Rhetoric, the first Rhetoric was like really good, like awesome. And then they kind of got, they were good, but not as good as that first one. Do you remember during quarantine when we did a bunch of blind samples to everybody on the round table? Yes. And <laughs> Carrie sent us all, like, it, we were like, this is amazing. This is the best sample we got from everybody. Ended up being a rhetoric. And yeah, no. So, got I should, everybody. so I, actually, the latest rhetoric was fantastic. See? Yep. We are believers after all. Just put it, just put in the sample bottle. They'll tell us what it is. We love it. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week in bourbon. Thank you, everybody, for sticking with us. I hope you have a great weekend, or if you're just starting your week off on a Monday, I hope you have a great week or a great drive, a great run, great grass cutting, whatever it is you got going on right now. Next week's Derby Week. Whoop, whoop. It is. It is. I got my party horses ready to go. (laughs) Got your NFTs. Get purchased. (laughs) Move over some crypto. Yeah. Yeah. We can talk about that next week. But (laughs) with that, cheers, everybody. We'll see you soon.